The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 530 uh special guest joining me again tonight he's been on the show a couple times good friend of the show i enjoy chatting with him just in general and looking forward to maybe meeting up in uh, vegas this year because well he's got all the money to do it we'll talk about it here pretty soon as he whooped my butt and many others last year in the ocs for the nfbc you can find him on twitter at the underscored guilds g-i-l-d-z the guilds how we doing my friend What's up, Baba? Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it, as always. It's great. It's great. It's great to see you've uh, made some of the rounds earlier this offseason because you're great. Uh, 20. The thing is, okay, I want to clarify this now. We're going to talk about his great 2022. The dudes had great 2020, 2021, 2022, many other years. That's going to be a part of the topic as we get farther down here. Uh, it wasn't just one year. He just happened to finally win the whole damn thing this year. So, yeah, so, uh, yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's been like a three-year run. Of really, yeah, the big finishes for sure. So, because you're top five in the OC for three straight years, right? Yeah, I finished. Uh, let's see, second during the uh, the sprint OC, the COVID year, fourth last year, and then took it down this year. So, and, and I had a, a, a top ten mean last year as well. So, yeah, it's been a fun ride, and that's why it was a fun discussion because I, I know you're tweeting about it towards the end of last year, and. I, you know, people on Twitter, you know how it goes. They don't always understand mm. conversations sometimes, but it's like Phil had an amazing year. He won the overall, he did a bunch of crazy stuff. Amazing. No one will ever discount that. No. But you made a comment on, let's talk about three straight top five years. Like, and to me, that's called consistency. And it's pretty damn impressive because I think you could admit that when it comes to fantasy sports, not just baseball, you're big into football also. 
to have a consistent run of success year in and year out is not easy. It's like you're going to hit injuries. You're going to hit snags. You're going to miss that pick because you, you know, you're way in between two guys and you just happen to pick the wrong guy. It might not have been the wrong time, but you just picked the wrong guy. And those kind of things happen. It had nothing to do with your prep or whatever. It's just the way the cookie crumbles, as they say. Uh, to do it for three straight years is really impressive. I, that's why I thought it was an interesting comment you made. I'm like, you're not discounting anybody, but it's a great point. It's like we look at the Bills who went to the Super Bowl about four straight years and never won, and we still talk about how great of a team that was. Mm-hmm. They just didn't win at all. So right. um, the fact you actually won it in the end is different. But So elaborate on that formula. I mean, you can actually yeah. talk about it in more than 140 characters or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, when you're – it's a field of, what, 2,300 people, you know, around over 2,000 for three straight years. And I'm putting in, like, minimal volume. I'm only – I think last year I had maybe five, six OCs, you know, the year before, maybe four. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing this all on very light volume. Um, but I think that's, uh, you know, to be at your best, I think in fantasy baseball, it's hard to to put in big volume with the waivers and everything. It's just, it's, it's too much. Uh, it's hard to give the attention each team needs, right? Yep. Week in, week out, over six months, long summers. Uh, so yeah, and I mean, I said that before. I think that three-year run, I mean, it's just by pure math, it's going to be tough to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I ever get, you know, close to it again this year, I mean, geez, my Twitter is going to be on fire. But, yeah, I mean, there were some people that after the first year, they're like, oh, you know, fluky, one-year wonder. Second year, oh, it must have been a fluke again. And you still have those guys. So, oh, yeah. Well, I'm not going to name names. They know who they are. Um, yeah. But – it is what it is, man. That's what, that's one of the many reasons I like you is because you just you shoot it straight. Like you don't have to play the game. Uh, you're not the. You're not. And the thing is, you shoot it straight, but you don't do it in a mean way where people take it the wrong way. Like you just make it straight up comments. So I wanted to at least make a comment on that here because I thought it was a very good talking point. Of it was interesting because not everybody took it the right way. And I just wanted to get yeah, that out I, there. But yeah. I even gave it a name. I think it was the Guildsy was the yeah uh, something like that. Yeah, somebody else can do that three years in a row. Greg never responded to that comment, but, uh, you know, because we have the Lindy, right, the, the, Lindy. One, the, the main yeah. and the OC. But, again, I've talked about this in the past, too. I mean, it's a whole different world of oh, fantasy out there now. I mean, you're playing against thousands of teams. The competition's tougher than ever. So mm-hmm. I'm not trying to discount what he did. That was still awesome. But I think when you compare that to the the climate we're in now, it's just it's like apples and oranges. So. And that's what's crazy about it. And you hit on one of the biggest things that I know I have issues with and other people do. It's the weekend, week out, fab grinds, all the grinds. And that's why, you know, you, you, some people have too many teams and you have to kind of find your wheelhouse on what works for you. You said you did five or six teams. I think I did three OCs and then a couple other leagues. Like I tried to, I tried my best to like keep it simple because I know it's tough. Like you have stuff that you said the summertime, there's weekends you want to go away for the weekend or whatever. Like it's just, it's tricky, man. You get kids involved, you get family, whatever. It becomes a hassle. So to put in what you did in 2022, what was it like? Uh, Obviously, the draft. I watched that in person. Um, that that was live. For those that don't know, he was in the same league as me, so I, I got to witness his masterwork at firsthand. And then, um, but you just kept doing it week in and week out. You kept grinding the fab. You kept doing this, that, and the other. What? Um, let's just start with the draft. I guess we'll start from the beginning. And I've heard you talk about on others how like Goldschmidt fell to you, like different guys fell to you. But one of the things you mentioned in those that I wanted to talk about here is you were able to adjust on the fly. And that's something that people kind of have issues with at times. Like, 
you know, I didn't like Goldie at first at one price, but then he fell here and I wanted to take so-and-so, but I took Goldie instead. So it changes your kind of game plan a little bit, but you knew what you were doing there. How did you go about that in the draft of, uh, or how do you go about it just in drafts in general? I'm talking about that one, but how do you kind of adjust with the draft? How do you learn? How do you know what to take advantage of uh, value wise to, to kind of get you in that, that area of success? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think you hit on like one of the, the big pieces there at Goldie. So in that particular draft, I took Alonzo in the fourth round. Um, so obviously you're set up first base, um, but Goldie then falls to the sixth, the beginning of the sixth where I was. And I think a lot of times owners would be like, All right, I already got my first base slot filled. I'm not trying to lock up my CI, you know, in round six, right? When they want to go for a pitcher or a clothing, whatever. Uh, that just turns them off. And, you know, if you see like a great value like that, I mean, you worry about that later. You take the, you take the player um, and you just bank those stats, right? And the OC too, it's a lot more flexibility. Like you can fill needs more easily than you can in the main. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, to me, it's, if you see a value fall, you know, don't, don't be concerned with uh, blocking up a, a corner infield, middle infield spot. If you see a guy that shouldn't be there, just just take and worry about it later. Yeah, no, that's hundred percent. It's one thing I've said a lot. I know some other people have been talking about, like Steve Weimer wrote a, an article on it. Some other guys. I think it's something that listeners of my show might get annoyed by, but I want to like drill it into heads because I'm trying to do it. it. Is focus more on statistical scarcity. It is, you want that end line. That's where taking a Goldie after an Alonzo. People think the positional thing, like you said, who cares about that? You just want the number at the end. So let's look at the big picture. And I think that's where successful players like yourselves and others realize real quick, like, hey, I can throw Goldie in there. Who cares if I wrapped up my CI? I just got another 30 plus home runs. I got probably 10 plus steals. Good bag. You just stacked up your stats right there where you might have taken like a a second pitcher or a whatever outfielder that definitely wouldn't have been a Goldie level type guy. So. Right. Yeah. And, I, you know, I wasn't I'd be lying if I said I was huge into goalie last year. Um, you know, the age had me a little concerned. Yeah. Um, he wasn't really running as much previously. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes you have to adjust on the fly. And, you know, if you see a player there that you might not even love, but you just think, you know, at that spot in the draft, you can't pass on that value. And um, you just got to hop on it. And, and I think to build these kind of teams, these, these huge teams that, that compete in the overall, you have to kind of have players fall in the right spots too. You know, you got to draft well, you got to do the waivers and all that. But uh, I mean, this draft also, I mean, there were some huge names that fell to spots that shouldn't have been there. So, which is funny because this, this league was full of like, yeah, very smart stars. people. Yeah. <laughs> by far like the toughest league in terms of competition. So it's just funny how, how that worked out. It's like my toughest league is, is the one that actually took it, took it down. So I guess Sandy uh, fell yeah. to you. That was a big one. Sandy, yes. Yeah. Sandy was huge. Even uh, Manoa, late. Romano, I got him, like, one of the last surefire closers, and I'm sure we'll discuss that. That was that was a big part of my uh, process last year was – I know the closers were, were a big point of contention among fantasy baseball Twitter, but um, I know Phil felt strongly about taking the, the early ones, and I was always like – you know, to win these overalls, I feel like you have to kind of hit late on certain guys, right? You're, you're battling so many teams in this thing. You got to get that edge somewhere. So my mindset was, all right, let me lock up one of these last, you know, closer ones, relief pitchers. I'll take the last of that tier, whether it was Romano or Kenley, just whatever the last straggler was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of piece together the closers after that, you know, the middle rounds, late rounds. So 
Uh, and I, I think another misconception too is, you know, people hate or you can't find saves on a wire. I've been I find I've been finding saves on a wire, you know, for ten years straight now. I mean, it can be done for sure. People don't like to do it. That doesn't mean it can't be done. It's got, so. its, it's, got its work. It does. It does. <laughs> I think also people don't you know realize you know as you get deeper into the season, a lot of teams fall out of contention. Bingo. So then the waiver wire buys become cheaper, right? You're mm-hmm. you're competing against less teams on a wire. Um, the fab bids get lower as you go on. So you're picking up a, a spec closer for two, three dollars versus in April where you're dropping three, four hundred on them. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's not a fun task finding saves, but you know, if it, especially in this climate we're in now, it's like, you know, there's so many committees out there. You know, it's hard after those six or seven guys, you know, it's rolling the dice on a lot of these, you know, spec guys. So yeah, and, and and it's one thing is like the OCs, twelve teams. There's going to be more out there, obviously, yeah, to go absolutely. get, which yeah. which allows you to be more flexible. And fifteen, maybe you're a little more urgent because it is a little trickier, whatever. Sure. But um, at the same time, that's one thing I've really noticed. I noticed it a little bit two years ago when I really started getting an FBC, and then last year did, like was my first year in the OCs. And like I said, did three or so, and I really started. Like I, I know we talked about it early in this, before the season on the show, but I got to see it firsthand. Was how much the bidding goes down towards the end, obviously, because guys get so crazy early, how much, you know, people just kind of stop caring. And uh, it, it does open up the door for a lot of options in that respect. So that's kind of one thing I'm trying to maybe, you know, change in my mindset because my offense is always a little thing I was fighting like power or whatever, or maybe I go have you like an Alonzo type situation early and worry about some pitching stuff later. Cause there's a ton of it, especially looking at, I know you haven't done a ton of prep yet for 2023, but there's a ton from like 100 to 200, even 250 starting mm-hmm. pitchers that you could at least go to battle with if you can get navigate that minefield. So there's ways to kind of go around it. Um, I think in OCs too, like even like when you hit July, you know, into August, a lot of the teams too, which are already out of it, the teams that are that are in it might not need saves at all too. So you're literally true. picking up closers, you know, for pennies on a dollar. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's that's why I hate when people say. You know, you can't fab save. You can, you know, it might take a month or two. Yeah. Um, but if you're doing your homework and, and you're you're looking at these back end of the, of the bullpens and keeping your eye on, you know, who the managers go into, maybe it's, you know, two straight relief appearances, right? And he's on a obscure team or like, a, you know, a t- you know, on the raise or someone, and you know, not, someone's not paying attention to him. You scoop him up for like four or five dollars and then, you know, maybe you get eight, nine saves for the rest of the year. That that sometimes that's all it takes. Just do that with two or three guys, and you know you have almost three slaves, and it it goes it goes in a big big way. Right um, on this team, yeah. I only had Romano. He was the only yeah. surefire closer I had on this team all year. So then it worked out pretty darn good for you, I'd say. Um, so you mentioned we did talk about that. One of the things you were kind of waiting on was the the later closer situation going into these drafts. What other kind of strategies were you looking at going into the the twenty twenty two that worked out for you as you went through your drafts? So like. You know, obviously you weren't going for Goldie, but it fell there. It worked. Alcantara felt he were you waiting on pitching? Were you waiting on certain things besides closers? Uh, not so much. No, I think, um, you know, late pitching, I hit on a lot too. Like I had Rodone fall pretty late there. Bassett, another guy. Uh, catchers too. Catchers, uh, I slept on. Uh, I took Darno and Sean Murphy late, and they never left my lineup all year. That's huge. Um, so those were two 
you know, draft picks, you didn't have to invest much capital in early and you were able to, I mean, that's a big, big positive. You could just plug two catchers in because, you know, more often than not, one of your catchers is going to be rotating on the, on the wider all year. So um, to draft two catchers and be able to play them all year and not worry about that position, that's, that's a bit, that was a big positive for this team. Yeah, and you didn't have to pay a premium like some guys like to pay for the big guys up top, and then you're, you know, what what are you sacrificing? Who knows? Like, there's arguments that I can see for the elite guys. I'm not going to go into that discussion right now, but usually, if the longer you wait, like you said, at least one of your guys are going to kind of get rotated in and out. So to be able to wait like you did and still get to do it, uh, it's it's like you said, is everything kind of fell in the right spot. The Rodon, I think we did this draft before he signed with the Giants. Right, so right. there was the question marks of, you know, why did the White Sox not give him a deal? Is he broken? Like, what's going on? So right, got that yep. deal there. Um, I know – I don't think it was this draft. No, I don't think it was this draft. But I know you were even willing to take a chance on DeGrom early. Obviously, mm. mixed results <laughs> there. But it's like you're not afraid to take chances. And that's kind of one thing I wanted to ask. In these 12-team OCs, like, you're not going to take a full team of chances, obviously, because that's going to get way too risky. But what is your um, willingness to take some, you know, boomer bust type plays? Because that's kind of what you need once in a while for that overall championship. Yeah, I'm always I'm always super aggressive, whether it's on the wire or in the draft. Um, not crazy aggressive. Yeah, you, you can't draft a team full of risks, right, and just upside. But you got to pick your spots, right? Like, there's some owners or some – uh, people out there that just re- cross people off their list, you know, they fade them fully. I mean, to me, everyone has a price. So yep. uh, I'm not fading most guys unless it's just absurd uh, early round price that I don't think the player is going to be, you know, worth that at all. But yeah, I mean, uh, DeGrom, yeah, he's a guy like in these overalls, I feel like, you know, you got to swing, you got to take a swing, right? So you can't just draft a cookie cutter team and just hope that, you know, your guys produce, and it's a good way to finish third, fourth, fifth yep. in the league. Uh, you got to take some calculated risks and, uh, you know, this last year, you know, that worked out in a couple spots here, but uh, yeah, I, you can't be foolish either. Like, I, you know, I'm not drafting, all, you know, injury risks on every team in the early rounds, but, you know, if a guy presents himself as, you know, a huge upside and he's fallen on too far in a draft. I'm more than willing to, to take a, uh, to take that pick. Um, for your fab leagues, you do primarily overall competitions, right? Main event, most of these are your, your, your only ones. Yeah. Kind of- okay. So when you're go, cause people will talk about, you can kind of go cookie cutter sometimes in a non overall to just make your money. I got that. That's one way to go about it. But if you're playing in the overall, we talk about it in FBC where the rate comes into play and how much money goes into the overall pool. It's like, Sure, you can go to win your money back, and okay, but what most of your entry fees go in a different direction, right? So, you kind of want to go that right. way, yeah. <laughs> um, so when you are drafting in these overalls, like, like I, I compare them to like GPPs and DFS, like, you got to take your, your your chances, um, and, and go for the gusto. We kind of just hit on that, but when you walk into that draft room, are you do you have like a goal in mind on certain things? things you're trying to accomplish risk-wise or maybe not risk-wise is the right way, like chances you're trying to take, positions you're trying to like, like or maybe st- statistics you're trying to dominate. Is there something for the overall that you're trying to focus on because it's an overall competition? Yeah, so what I – I think we've talked about this in the past too a lot. What I do after, you know, my research and, you know, I'm just getting started now, but I like to identify, you know, three or four guys that I'm seeing that are mispriced, you know, during these drafts. So I'm just watching and, and seeing – you know, with their ADP, which is which is awesome. And NF- NFPC is the best ADP out there. So yep. 
um, which I'm just looking at. I'm trying to focus in and, and find those guys every year. That uh, last year, like Gallon was one of my guys. Uh, I just thought people were way down on him. He had the, he had the off year, but he had you know two super strong years, like huge prospect, elite arm. So uh, I thought he was just going way too late last year, and I had him everywhere last year. Uh, now on the same token, uh, Kalanick was another guy that that I was super high on. So. You know, it doesn't always work out, but um, so those guys that I identify that are mispriced, I'm happy kind of jumping a little bit, jumping around or so. Just I could grab them on my teams and especially in those middle rounds, yeah. I'm definitely a lot more, uh, uh, what's it called? Aggressive. Aggressive, yeah. And, and I don't mind taking those middle round targets on a bunch of teams versus, you know, the early round players where you don't, you don't want to really – uh, go all in on too many players unless, you know, you see uh, someone really mispriced and you just you say, screw it, go go big or go home, yeah, which so is actually what I did two years ago with Vlad. Yeah. Uh, I had him on every single main of mine. And that, yeah. yeah, that worked out nicely. But I mean, for the most part, I'm, I'm really just doing that with uh, middle round targets. And, you know, anyone that's in that ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th round where, you know, I think they could, you know, produce seventh eighth round value even better than that you know i'm hop, you know i'm jumping them around maybe even two sometimes yeah, i think that's a great point is uh looking for those guys that are, are going to jump and then you can jump with them instead of just kind of like adp is a phenomenal tool as you mentioned but some people become kind of a slave to adp and it's supposed to be there to kind of give you a reference point not the end all be all um and when you get into these bigger drafts adp goes out the freaking window half the time oh, so yeah. so so fast just goes out the window so it's a, it's a good approach to uh, kind of find who you want to jump with so that you're not taking a, a back when someone else starts jumping people and you're ready right. to rock and roll. Yeah. Because it the goes player fast. gets too high where you're like, okay, now I don't want to take him. But, yeah. I, it, it gets wild. Yeah. It gets wild quick. Um, do you go in with a specific um, – I guess you don't have to give all your secrets, obviously. But, uh, like, a starting pitching we, – we talk about waiting on relievers. But are you trying to get, like, one ace at least and then wait a bit? Or are you trying to, like, uh, just – obviously, you could say what the draft brings you. But I know you have some game plan when you head in there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm typically an early pitching guy, but I've noticed just looking at the ADPs early on, I'm surprised some of these guys, some of these starters yeah. are dropping like far, like more than I can remember in the it's history. Crazy. It's crazy right now, man. Yeah, like I, I saw the first OC, Wheeler was in round six, Manoa round six. I'm like, I was chatting with one of my buddies. I'm like, what's going on? Did I miss something? But it looks like the – uh, the players are, are choosing to take bats early and often and letting these pitchers fall. Yep. So I'm wondering how much that's going to move, you know, as we get closer to March. But yeah, that, that, that's my first shock so far is seeing some of these big arms dropping, you know, into the sixties, seventies of these drafts. So yeah. That, and that's kind of what I was saying. Like if you're comfortable knowing the pitching pool, you can wait. Cause there's like, even after the, that round of aces goes there around pick by 70 or so, there's a whole slew of guys that we used to pick between 50 and 100 that are yeah. going almost 100 to 200 now. Like, it's it's getting – even People Musgrove, really want those bats. People really Musgrove those was going bats. in, like, the 70s. I mean, he had – you know, he was awesome last year. He's, Two he's almost as steady as they come. Like, you want a confident floor guy out there? Like, Musgrove's a dog. Like, it's crazy. I know, yeah. It's kind of upsetting me because I, I wish, you know, people would push up pitching, right, to kind of – changes the draft some and kind of you could zig when others are zagging, but everybody's sleeping on pitching now and just jumping these bats early. So yeah, I'm, it's, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out as we you know, move towards main season. 
and you know like yeah it, it will move for sure as it always yeah. does but like it's got to take a big move to get back to where it was and i don't know if it's gonna take that big of a move so it's gonna get quite interesting in that regard uh when it comes to hitters i guess statistics will say is there anything you try to make sure you're leaving the early rounds with um i know we all say five category guys that's simple but yeah. you know there's steals there's powers there's something you really try to focus on early the best way to learn a language immersion living where the language is spoken and using it every day but if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is mostly speed. I, I really don't like taking players early that don't offer the speed component and you know, just it's just so easy to build your team again on early speed. And um, I thought I had that last year. I, you know, with Tucker, I took Albies in a second. And, you know, Albies did next to nothing, got hurt. So uh, that team I actually thought was decent in speed, and it really wasn't. I was struggling. You know, into half the year, I was probably in the lower uh, the lower half of, of the tournament in speed. So, uh, and it, also with the new rule, the new the new bag sizes. So I wonder how that's going to change. I, you see more people trying to steal bases, more players. Um, you know, do you need more steals now if the total's going up, right? To you know, to compete there. So, um, yeah, I'm rarely if I'm going to bat early. I'm not. He's gonna at least have twenty plus stolen base upside if he's going in the first two rounds for me. Gotcha. Um, so that's why I see like Alonzo, who I love, Pete, and uh, some of these thumpers. You know, it's hard for me to take him in round two. Even Vlad in round one, eh, he stole some bags last year also. But, uh, yeah, I like to build off that that power and speed early. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it is a great point with the the bases, the pickoff rules, all the time, pitch timer, like all these factors. And some people are saying people will steal more, so it kind of drowns the steal pool. So it's not as important. To me, I kind of feel maybe it's more important to get the elite guys to kind of take that leap in the direction. Right. But. It's it's a great thing that really no one knows the perfect answer to until we see it play well, out. I think it could be both ways, right? So if yeah. more players are stealing bags, right, mm-hmm. then it's less important on grabbing those guys that that we know steal bags, right? But at the same time, the number needed to be to compete is going to be higher as well. Exactly. So I think you'll be able to find them more, but yeah. the total you're you're going to need is also going to be higher than in years past. Exactly, and that's going to be the conundrum and to see. I think that's part of the reason guys are going early, hitters are going earlier. They're trying to get these bats to, to lock in stuff um, because certain positions do drop off pretty quick right now early in early drafts. So that could be part of it as well. But the pitching dropping is, is wild. It's it's crazy to see. Yeah. And I'm really curious to see where it goes. Cause like you got guys like DeGrom, um, he's going around Spencer Strider around pick like 55 or something. Um, like, is he going that late? Wow. 
it's between I think it's between fifty and fifty-five last time I saw. I actually got the ADP up here. Let me now now I gotta check. Um that seems that's that's for the ground. No, 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 never mind. Twenty nine. He's okay. he was like the yeah, yeah the twenty nine. I was okay, like, let me let me start no. doing something. Yeah. Fifty <laughs> like you know, like fifty two is Rodon, fifty three is Wheeler, Scherzer's fifty four, Uriah's fifty four, Bieber. Yeah, 58. these are like, these are like you got a slew price. of dudes. Yeah, I mean it almost forces you. You can't take a pitch early when you see these guys falling like that. It's why am I taking Cole? You know, in the top twenty, if I'm getting Wheeler, you know, or or, or Manoa fifty picks later. Exactly. That's what makes it tricky. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's it, it's quite the the puzzle to look at right now. It's like, what's the difference between like you know the Striders of the world who could be great, don't get me wrong, but compare them like you said, go Wheeler, get these guys later, two three rounds later. Like, what's the difference, really? I think uh, I think I know. It's, uh, people are fading Sandy this year too. I guess because of the low K rate. He's whatnot. still going. He's going right around to Grom. Is he? Yeah, he's yeah, going to me, I mean, how many innings he pitched over two hundred? Right, over two hundred, easily yes. over two hundred. And I think. Back to back years to me, I mean, that's a people aren't talking about that enough. I feel like getting that volume out of that with those ratios. I mean, that's yeah, he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna strike out a ton of guys, but if he's gonna throw 215, 220, I mean, he's gonna get you 200 strikeouts, right? And, and those ratios over that amount of innings, to me, he's still, you know, elite worth that early pick. So, yeah, yeah, his, his 80. His ADP is the same ADP as DeGrom right now, 28.67 in the month okay. of December. So going right next to each other, he's like the third or fourth pitcher off the board. Like you said, 228 innings last, almost 228.2, 205.2 in 21. In 2019, the full season, 197. So he basically I mean, has three straight yeah. 200 pit inning seasons, all with the ratios of 228, 319-388. Right, yeah, and if you're getting those ratios over that volume of innings, I mean, that, that's a needle mover for me, so – I'll I'll give up those K's right for that extra ratio protection there. Yep. Um, I mean that's how I see it, and you know he's not striking out four per nine either. I mean he'll get you two hundred K's close to. He, it, he's like he's like Fran Rivaldez. He's not a world beater, but he pitches seven plus innings yeah. every start. He's going to rack up the strikeouts. That's what they do. It's like getting at bats from from hitters. You know those innings add up, and if yep. you're getting those elite ratios over such a such a large because. I mean, what's the average innings pitch, you know, for a starter now? 170, 160 maybe? Probably like 160. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's pitching 210, 220. That's a needle mover. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a guy I'll, I'll be on. If people are, are starting to fade him, uh, I'll definitely be eyeing Sandy round three, round four. Yeah. If, if you look at just last season alone, there was only eight pitchers that threw 200 or more innings. Sandy led the way with 228. Nola was second with 205. Nola's another guy too that I, yeah, you know, I love. People, Nola. yeah, he'll give you the K's. You know, his ratios will be good. People just don't like drafting Aaron Nola that early, I guess. But uh, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, with he's that one. yeah. So he's another guy, and both of them are on this team of mine. So maybe I'm partial to them also. <laughs> yeah, but Nola's Nola. Everyone like gets annoyed with him because he has that start where he's good, good, good. That's like that one bad inning. Oh, uh, it just like scars everybody. If you look at the look at the end line every year, it's like mid three ERA. Big strikeouts, like this is what the dude does. So and that's a good guy to pair. If you're going to wait on aces, like three, four, you go yep. Sandy Nola. You're going to get the K's with Nola offsets. You know the lack of K's with Sandy. You get elite ratios. I mean, four hundred plus innings. I mean, that's a nice pairing after two bats early. And you know, I'm already building a team in my head right now. So. You're, you're welcome. You, you think you're going to dig into 2023 so soon? Oh, I'm go. there. That's I've, I've got a lot. I've done a lot of Nola Musgroves early. Yeah. 
and I, I can live with that. If I decide I'm going to wait a little bit longer on pitching, I'm no, I have no problem going like Nola Musgrove and just like going to battle. There you so, go. Yeah, that's a nice there, one. Too. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot out there that are. It's interesting. We'll see how it goes. Obviously, it's always nice on paper when it starts out. But um, yeah, what what other like? I mean, don't give all your tricks. Like I said, what other kind of tips when you walk in to do an overall draft? Like what do you? What other like things are you looking to make sure you? accomplish before you live that draft like that makes you not just a basic team like you're going in there to do x y or z um i think knowing the room is a big uh big skill i say or you know a plus that a lot of owners aren't conscious enough of what the the owners around them are doing right you're kind of tunnel vision on your own team what do i need here what do i need there but if you, if you look at, you know, if the teams around you, if you're drafting like out of the nine or 10 hole or a converse like in three or four or whatever early, you know, look at the corner picks, you know, kind of see what they need, see what they don't need. Maybe you can sleep on a guy for until it wraps around, right? Mm-hmm. That you, you can see that these teams already have their closers locked up and you need the closer. Take a different position there, different, different uh, player, and then you know, gamble that that closer likely comes back to you four or five picks later. Uh, just little edges like that where I, I don't think people kind of look around them enough in a draft room. Um, and that, and I feel like we, you might, you know, it's not a huge edge, but it's those small, subtle edges, I feel like, that, uh, you know, you might get a couple players where you didn't think you would get them, you know, otherwise. So um, I think it goes kind of back to the early point, early point where owners are just – you know, they don't want to, they're too concerned with their own team. They don't want to take a player or duplicate a position and stuff like that. So, you know, just, uh, you got to be conscious too, just not your own team, just, you know, of other teams around you. You, you mean you're not walking into the draft with your spreadsheet and the numbers and you're sticking to your rules. You, you're more worried about the room and not, not well, that too. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, I have, <laughs> I'm I have my Excel out, like, you know, I'm doing all the, uh, the tracking of my guys as well. It's just those, those small know, nuances I feel like, it's you know, true. that um, kind of gets overlooked sometimes in drafts where, you know, like I said, sometimes, you know, you can wait on a player. People hate that feeling, right? You see a guy that you really want, you're playing first, chicken. Like, click that button. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. Yes, I got him. Yeah. You know what? Maybe he can fall that four or five extra spots and you grab another guy that you like nearly as much. You get both guys instead. So um, just a little, little stuff like that. Yep, hundred uh, percent. Let's talk a little twenty twenty three, and we talked a little off air about it. We talked about Vegas, and you're going to come out there to do some drafting. You're getting going into DC here. Um, what's your plan? What's your portfolio going to look like for twenty twenty three? It's probably going to look a lot like uh, my portfolio this past year, which you know I said that somewhere else, and they left, I think. But I just can't. Football is a different beast. Like I said earlier, baseball, I can't give the attention my teams need, right? If I, if I put too much volume in. So, um, you know, I, I, I put in three mains before that's probably where I'm going to finish depending on, you know, uh, you know, if I see a room or something that I, that I might want to jump in, but I'll probably do around six OCs, three mains. I'm doing the DCs that kind of just helps me prep, you know, for the main season, uh, and just to kind of learn a player pool and whatnot. Uh, then I'll just mess around. I'll do some best balls, which I find them fun. You know, I don't know, just uh, just sprinkle around different teams, different formats. They're totally different too. It's totally uh, different format. So it's like, yeah, it's yeah. 
to me, that's just like fun drafting. It's like it's fun drafting. If anything, it almost keeps your uh, like brain fresh to keep like I said, just kind of getting in the doldrums of doing the same fifteen over and over again. It's like okay, I got think think outside the box for a minute, and maybe and then you all of a sudden you're like, well, maybe this guy's better than I thought. Like, let's reevaluate things for a draft because you, you thought differently about his OBP skills or whatever works in the best ball world type thing. It's funny too. I uh, when I first did the the best ball, I think it was the cut line where maybe a couple of years ago. I really didn't even know what the hell I was doing. Like I was taking guys, you know, with just single position uh, eligibility. And I remember reaching out to Curtis Jones, who's, who's yeah. like the, one of the best players there. I'm like, dude, what am I doing wrong here? And he was just giving me pointers and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. So this makes sense. So like you want to LeMayhew, right? Early. Cause I'm thinking like, why the hell are you taking LeMayhew this early? Right. Cause he's got four positions he's eligible. Yeah. So uh yeah once i kind of learned the basics of it then i was like ah okay now i understand and, you know i'm grabbing every multi-position player now like half my roster you know each guy has like four positions he, he's play at now so uh yeah there's nuances to that also so i mean I, I love it all man i just uh that you know february march draft season is probably my favorite time of the year for awesome it's the best it's absolutely the best um You've done a little deep dive, and you said a little bit. I wouldn't say deep dive, a little bit into it. Any players standing out to you like, going, wow, better than I thought last year. Maybe I should, you know, pay a little more attention to them this year. Um, Or anybody that's, like, standing out to you going, okay, I need to move them up my board, or just, just anything that stood out to you player-wise. Yeah, I see. I think O'Neal Cruz is an interesting guy to me. Um he was on, on my team last year, and I know, you know, the batting average, a lot of people are concerned over. He can't hit lefties and whatnot. I mean, to me, that's a guy that I, I love in these overall competitions. It's just, you know, the sky is the limit there. Um, you know, and he hits the ball so hard, too. I mean, he, he makes an adjustment here or there. He's still young. He's so young. He's going to get better and better. To me, the ceiling is just so high. It's like I see him going to 70s and 80s. To me, that's a guy that, I would definitely jump a little bit. Um, yeah, just that profile, just the risky batting average. And that's another thing I said too in the past is where people get really scared off by batting average. I'm willing to kind of yep. gamble there over other categories because we've seen, you know, batting average fluctuate, you know, 20, 30 points, you know, one hot month versus one cold month. It's, it doesn't take too much for, a, you know, a 235 hitter to hit 250. You know what I mean? So. Well, in this era, in this era of baseball right now, like the average batting average in baseball is two thirty five. Right, so yeah, it's totally different than what it used to be. That was a uh, Adolis last year too. That was yep. the same guy. You fell way too far in drafts. People were scared off of his average being an anchor on your team, and you know he gave you all the the power and speed. And to me, that was just a guy that screamed value there. And you know, I think he hit two fifty, two fifty five, something like that last year. I mean, he was he was a monster for fantasy. So. Uh, if, if I'm going to gamble in any category, it's definitely batting average. You know, I'm not taking Joey Gallo. We, we know what, what yeah. Gallo is, but, you know, these guys that are, are young and up and coming and have the pedigree and the, and the prospect, uh, I'm definitely more willing to gamble on their upside uh, versus, you know, a, a Gallo type or someone that's been around and, and you know what you're getting there. I like it. Um, what about these new rules? We kind of talked about the bases and the clocks and all, all that stuff. Are you? How much are you going to factor that into your drafting? Because for me personally, I'm just going to be the caveman and me like I'm just going to draft who I know how to draft. I have no control over this stuff. I have no idea how it's going to play out. If someone tells you they know, they're crazy. Like it's wrong. 
So how are you going about? You just gonna ignore them and see what happens, or do you actually have a plan? Probably similar to you, but I'll be honest. It's like you know, it's, you don't want to do you know, what is it? Paralysis by over analysis, yes. right? Yep. I mean, I think averages will will be up probably across the board, right? Exactly. Especially now. I mean, you'll see guys that you know definitely more affected by the shift than others, but it's not. Maybe I'll use it as a tiebreaker, you know, between two guys. If, if you know, one of the guys I think. Could, you know, see a, a bigger bump in batting average because of the shift and whatnot. But I mean, it's not going to be something that, you know, it's going to be a factor, right? When I'm going into drafts. So, yeah, I, I just find it comical. Some people are spending so much time on it. I'm like, if anything, I think it's like you said, it can almost be like kind of equal across the board in the, in the end game. Like right. sure, some guys might spike here or there, but in the end game, I think it's going to kind of just kind of wash in the system yeah and i know there's definitely a few outliers out there that just you know get crushed yeah. by it so i mean you'll definitely see a boost in, in their average and whatnot but i mean it's yeah. not enough for me to kind of go crazy over the whole field of players yeah. will it boost their power and stuff probably not so we're, we're good in that mm-hmm. scenario um what about the new schedule now, this is one that i think is interesting like it's still kind of a probably more work than i'm used to doing on trying to plan things out but the balanced schedule is different because we used to love like you know, certain divisions, it's tough to, to hit in because the pitching so great across the board. Or, you know, these guys get to play half their game, like nine, ten games in Coors. That's huge now. They don't anymore. So on and so forth. Are you going to try to look into that a bit more? To me, at least that's kind of you can kind of quantify that scenario. Yeah, I agree. I think that's definitely a bigger factor, right? Where you're going to see, obviously, some ballparks definitely lean towards, you know, better hitting results. So for sure, I mean, you can see tangible results, you know, more so than, you know, the few players that are going to benefit more off the shift. But, yeah, to me, that's definitely a bigger uh, factor. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to, the smarter people than me, to come out with those articles like the Eno Saracis of the world and right. stuff. Like, really, exactly. like, really, really break it down for me on how this works because I can, in my head I can be like, okay, cool, the NOS takes a hit because they're not playing that much in Coors. Or, you know, the AL East and NL East all have a lot of really good pitchers. Well, they're not going to face them as often anymore, so on and so forth. And, and we used to love the central divisions because they all stink. And right. now that's a little different. So um, it, it will, I think, kind of space that out a little more and make that a little more enticing as well. Uh, let's talk Mets. Let's talk Mets. Let's oh, have, unless you have any more new rules talk, but that's so much fun. Nah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's interesting too. Um, yeah, the Mets, man, it's – it's been a fun, you know, ever since Stevie Cohen took over. I mean, you know, I'm in New Jersey too. So it's all sports talk. It's all Mets, Yankees, where I am. So it's just, it's just great being a fan right now. The Mets, you're, it's, you know, it's, it's a fan that owns your team. He's a Mets fan. So like, if you, it's like winning a lottery and you're like, you buy the match, you're like, all right, I'm going to buy every fucking player out there. Why not? That's awesome. And that's what, you know, he's like, you know, you're watching a fan of the team just buy people. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's what Mark Cuban wishes he could do, but there's actually right. rules in the NBA. That's right. pretty much what took place there, um, which is funny because then baseball would let Cuban get the Cubs, and he'd probably be doing the same thing right now. But um, the Mets, well, I, you know, it's funny too. I, I got a buddy who's a huge Yankee fan, and he would uh, he was texting me after the Correa deal. Well, you know, which is still in limbo, but he's like, "Steve, it's your Cohen, turn what? now. Tag you're it as the Giants screwed it up. It's your turn now." Yeah, pretty much. Although I think they'll come to an agreement. Yeah, I, I think you guys will figure it out. But he was telling me, oh, Cohen's ruining baseball, all this. I'm like, dude, you're a Yankees fan? Yeah. You guys, this is this was your M.O. This is what the Yankees were for, what, 20 years in the you late no 90s. Like stand on right now. George Steinbrenner. I mean, this is he's the new George. So I'm like, yeah. 
There's, Yankee fans cannot be complaining about this. This is no. what they lived through, you know, for the last 20 years. Yeah. You got to sit yeah. and watch them do this across the city from yeah. you guys and win championships. Now it's your turn to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, the Mets spent money under the Wilpons, but they, didn't, they spent it, you know, they spent uh, dumb money. You get the idea. Steve Cohen, he, he'll spend whatever, a fortune, but I mean, he's buying like wise investments. Like yeah. he didn't go near Judge. He didn't want any part of that. Even DeGrom, who Mets fans, we were devastated, but they didn't even entertain DeGrom. Yep. They didn't come close. They weren't going close to that number. So uh, he's a guy that's going to spend any amount of money, but he's going to spend it like wisely. So that, that's that's what I like about him. And that brings me to my, my next question. We're going to talk some players here. And first, we will talk to DeGrom real quick, though, just because he was, like we talked about him earlier, gets that five-year deal in Texas. I don't care about the, the length and the money. But they were willing to give him the money, and the Mets weren't, which I, I was kind of I, – I think more the long-term than the money part was what was the concern. I think the Mets were kind of willing for like two years maybe, as we'll talk about in a minute. Three, uh, yeah. But it so wasn't like near five, the – Five wasn't happening. No. Um, but at the same time, I, I, was, I the fact he got paid makes me feel a little more comfortable playing in the 2023 draft-wise with him. Are you, are you good with DeGrom in, in your eyes? <sighs> yeah. I mean, listen, I'm always – you know, I'm always good with the Grom. It's just, um, yeah. I mean, listen, we know he's the best pitcher by a mile when he's pitching, right? So yeah. if he could just just give us 150 innings, I mean, exactly. if he could do that, I would take him in, you know, round two, you know, yeah. every every draft. Um, it's just, you know, they're probably going to baby him a little bit, which they, they, they should, I guess. You know, I know he wants to dial down his velocity, but, I think that's easier said than done. You know, I watched him every start. This guy's a competitor. You know, he wants to throw 101. He doesn't want to throw 96. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and that takes away from his greatness, too. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, the, you know, that balance of, you know, uh, what he, you know, how he chooses to uh, to pitch. You know, if he's going to be the same guy, there's a you know, that same concern is going to be there, I guess. But uh i guess long-winded answer yes i'm i'm always in on him um it's gonna be hard you know fading him and you know or passing on him in round three of these dcs and, and whatnot so yeah no that's a guy i mean listen if you get anything more than 150 innings I and mean, he's, he's a smash yep. in, in that part of the draft it's just can you get that 150 so you're here to hear first, folks, in March. You better take them in the first round if you're drafting with the Guild. So otherwise you won't get them. Um, but you know people, too. Once he's out there throwing 100. Oh, the first know, clip of, you know, in pitchers and catchers report in February. Oh, yeah. I said that last year, too. So, uh, you know. Yeah. You know it happened. It happened. Yeah. Game's already going early. Yep. Um, th that takes us to Verlander, though. You talk about a guy that's competitive that wants to throw 100 all the time, and that's Verlander still. But And I was all in on him last year. I was like, if – if they're signing him, they're not going to innings eat him. Like he's going to go out there and work because he's a competitor, just like you said about Degrom. Um, the the Mets gave him a couple years here, so that's pretty big. Obviously, uh, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with Degrom still. He's getting older. There's no doubt about it. But um, are you good with Degrom, even though he's getting older in uh, New York? There, Verlander. Yeah, Verlander. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Verlander. No, that's all right. Verlander. Yeah, and he was gone. Where? Because I was surprised he was falling too. He's falling. I got it right here again. I'll pull it up. I mean, I do not understand that at all. That's why, like, maybe uh, I'm just rusty. I get back into the swing of things. He's got ADP of, like, 46. 46, right? And he's, he's on. After Nola, after McClanahan. He's pitching in City Field, right, <laughs> on a team that just won 101 games. I mean, I mean, I, I guess you're banking on him. I mean, he, 
he looked amazing last year. I guess one of his best years probably ever, right? Stat wise. So yeah, to me in the forties, I'm 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 slamming that pick for sure. So I mean, yeah. he could easily go out there, strike out 250 guys, 18 wins, you know, elite ratios. So I mean, if I'm getting that guy in the in the fourth round, I'm happy about it. You are you you have your ear to the uh, New York media, as you said. It's all over the radios and everything. What's the hype? What's the buzz on Mister Senga, Kode Senga, that they brought over from Japan? Who looks awesome? He's got the repertoire, but like depends on who you read. It's he's either like the third or fourth starter, or he's a long man. I believe he's a starter, but uh, there's still people writing like he doesn't. They don't know if he can make it you know, the whole season. So I'm curious. I mean, they envision him as a starter for sure. Yeah, yeah. They, they gave him start. I mean, what is he making? Fifteen. He's getting starter or- money. He's getting starter money. Uh, the the problem, I'm not the problem. It's just the concern is, uh, you know, usually when these guys first come over, it takes them some time to adjust, right? Mm-hmm. You don't really see them dominate, maybe not dominate even, but like be like a plus pitcher from, from Jump Street. So I could see him, you know, maybe early on, you know, struggling. You know, it's a, you know, a whole new game to him over here. So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe – I'd be more comfortable maybe next year than I would this year for him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's on a great team, too. Uh, he should strikeouts, wins, that should be there. So it's just a matter of, you know, how he handles the pressure of pitching. I mean, from everything you're reading, he seems like a guy that can handle the pressure pretty well, too. So he's sure. excited to be here. So I guess we'll see, man. You just don't know with these guys, right? I mean, it's, 100%. Um, it could be Kei Aigawa or he could be uh, – Who's the guy, the Blue Jays, who we all, everyone kept waiting to, to smash? And Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's never happened. The lefty. Yeah, never happened. Did you get traded and see Sloan and Jays? Well, Hunchin Ryu's there, but you're talking about somebody else. You're, yeah. Oh, you're talking about um, – oh, crap. He's he's still there. That just totally hit me now. Uh, give me I got roster resource up here. He's still there. Um, Everybody's favorite. favorite they, signed, uh, they, they signed him last year. He totally tanked. You say Kikuchi. Yeah, Kikuchi. Yeah. Everyone's yeah, sleeper. And he just yep. I mean, he just never panned. Bombed. Out. Bombed in a big, yeah. big way. Um, you guys made some other pitching moves. You have Jose Quintana, great baseball move, kind of fantasy viable at times. I could see a little bit of appeal there. You brought Edwin Diaz back. That's obviously a no-brainer. Let's go to Brandon Nemo. This boy got paid. Mm. Like real life player, great OBP player, has problems staying on the field, though, player. Yeah. Um, you can give me the Mets fan approach. You can give me the fantasy approach. Either one's fine here. What's your thoughts on Nemo? Because it seems like a great guy, but this seems like a lot of money and a long-term deal, too. Yeah, he's definitely a, a better real-life player than he is fantasy for sure. Uh, but his defense took a huge step. I mean, he was, he was – defensively, he had to be one of the best center fielders in baseball last year. Um, great OBP guy, like you said. Hustles, a great guy, great clubhouse guy. So – uh, I'm happy they brought him back. You need you need a center fielder, right? If they didn't mm-hmm. sign him, I don't know where. To, I mean, I guess you could get Reynolds. You could have traded for Reynolds, but I like not having to get, give up prospects for Nimmo. Um, yeah, I don't think he's ever going to be you know smashing fantasy. You know, he's going to be like a fifth outfielder type in, in the main and a 15 teamer, maybe fourth outfielder. Um, you know, the speed just he's fast, but the stolen bases he just doesn't steal enough. The power's okay. It's not enough. I mean, he does a lot of good things, you know, a lot, a lot of things well. Just nothing elite, you know, in his profile. Um, so definitely a better real-life guy. But as a Mets fan, I mean, definitely uh, pumped to see him back. Homegrown guy. You know, you like seeing those guys stay with your team. So 
It is yeah. always nice. Always nice to see. Uh, you mentioned um, Carlos Correa, or we kind of talked about him earlier as a guy. You think the deal gets done? I do too. I don't think he's going to leave. I think Cohen wants him. They're going to find a way to make it work. Yeah. I said give him a Buxton type deal where, hey, you play, you earn it, you get it. Like, it's very simple to me. Maybe, maybe the deal isn't as long. I don't know. I think there's ways to make it work. Um, if and when, because I'm with you, I think he's still going to be a Met. What's your thoughts on him there? Because that obviously makes that lineup even deeper with Nemo and Lindor and Big Meat, Big Meat Pete up top there. How do you like Correa in New York? I mean, I like him. And, and I think I saw someone tweet that they would bump him up two to three rounds because he's going to get the, the third base now. Um, I don't think I'd make that big of a leap in fantasy, at least. Um, you know, there's no speed there, really. I mean, his power is nice, but again, it's nothing like elite. I think the run production is going to be nice. RBIs, he's going to be solid fantasy third baseman for sure. And he's got the shortstop as well. So, um, I mean, like I said, if, he, if he's not stealing bases, you can only go so high on him, I think, too. Uh, but I think, you know, if you wait, where's he going? Sixth, seventh rounds in these drafts? I don't even know. Yeah. I um, mean, as like the ninth or tenth. Third baseman off the ball. He doesn't even have third base yet. Yeah, not yet. That's the thing. Um, his ADP in December is 126 oh, right shit. now. Okay. He's going high. Um, and if you look like other third basemen, like let me where third baseman starts to drop off is the Bregman Gunner Henderson world. Bregman's going at 82, Gunner Henderson at 90, and there's a massive drop off after that. So in theory, if you think third base, he's a value for you. Right, yeah. I mean, I guess you you'd probably slot him in right around that area. Um, yeah, third base, uh, it can get ugly there too after those early options. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a solid player. He just, you know, people don't like. I hate to say boring, right? Because he's, he's he is very boring. Great, yes. He is. He's a boring fantasy player at least. But uh, but at the end of the year, his numbers are his numbers. Like yeah. you know what you're getting. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna hit you probably two seventy plus. 20, 25 homers, 80, yep. 90 RBIs. And, you know, if, he, if, he's in front of Lindor, if he's hitting in front of Lindor and Pete, he could score 100 runs in reality. That's the thing, too. Yeah. I mean, I guess <laughs> he'd probably bat second, right? Yeah. I would think, which in that lineup, yeah, he could score 100 runs. So, yeah. No, he might be a value then for sure. He, he's definitely going to move up. I just don't know. It's, I guess, the question of how much he moves up now Bingo. if he eventually signs. With that being said, though, as we assume he's always going to play third base with the team, what's that do to the guys like Brett Beatty of the world who we're all excited to see? Um, I'm not as worried as Eduardo Escobar. He's older. We know who he is, whatever. Yeah. He could platoon at second and third for you guys or whatever. Um, but Beatty looked like he was going to get a shot this year, and now that got put on hold, it feels like. And he's, I mean, is he, I think he's the number one third base prospect in baseball too, right? Pretty. If he's not, he's darn close, yeah. He's close. Uh, here we are, Steve Cohen's, he doesn't give an F. Like, no, he wants right now. He wants right now. <laughs> he's on a block, the number one prospect of the position for 12 years. But, uh, I mean, I think he's played some left field though in the minors. I could be wrong, but. Probably, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they could use him as a trade chip. I mean, he's, he's definitely a big piece. I mean, he's just not going to. Uh, languish in the minors. I mean, if they have to move him for someone big, but maybe they, you know, he plays in left field at some point. Um, but yeah, if they sign Correa, I mean, he's literally not playing third base for this team for the next 10, 11 years. So you're going to get traded. That's the name of the yeah, game. Yeah. I mean, if you're trading him, I saw, we were talking, I think, with uh, Rob DiPietro, and we were talking about Liam Hendricks, and somebody was like, put Beatty in it. I'm like, 
you can't put Beatty in that kind of deal for Hendricks. I mean, he's about 34, yeah. 35 years old. Yep. I mean, and now if you think about it, <laughs> if you want, I mean, I mean, if, if you're the White Sox, yeah, you're yeah. you're smashing that. Um, I guess I, I guess what you're pic- you're picturing another like the Edwin Diaz deal where you send Kalenic and a couple other guys. It's going to be something like that. So yes, yeah, so a younger than Hendricks. That right. shitbag Cano and his two hundred million also. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, another prospect I wanted to ask you about though, we saw him towards the end of the year, Francisco Alvarez. Uh, you have Omar Narvaez. You saw Thomas Nito. They neither one should be holding that bat out. Um, but as you keep adding more pieces of the puzzle, there it's kind of squeezing out the young kids. What are you hearing in New York on what we should expect from him this year? I mean, there it's kind of all over the map. Nobody really knows. I mean, he could start a year in the minors, right? Um, mm-hmm. He could be the DH. Um, he could catch games against lefty, which is kind of what, where I'm leaning, I think, because, you know, they want to get this kid experience, right? He's got to learn the position if they want to, you know, play in there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Narvaez is, is, is a solid catcher. I mean, you know, you kind of know what you're getting from him, right? Um so yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I don't know if uh, I mean if he's the everyday DH. I mean that's definitely you know that would be huge, right? But he doesn't have. Does he have catcher? No, he's field? util only right now. Uh, that's the kicker. He's going at ADP three hundred three with util. I was gonna see because uh, I was gonna say it might take a while to get those ten games yep. behind the plate. Yeah, so I mean, it's a dicey pick. I can understand that ADP for sure. Um, it's, right now, it's a guessing game. I mean, we know. We know Nito is going to be the backup. He's going to get some games. Narvaez is going to be the starter. So I don't know. I, I, I think it, I don't think we see him get that catcher eligibility if he does get it until maybe like midseason. Yeah, very very possible. Which is it's a long time to wait. So. A very long time to wait on a guy that won't be playing every day. Right, so exactly. that, that's a tough one right there. He reminds, uh, it reminds me of the kid from the the Royals. Um, Last year, oh, uh, this is maybe escaping me now. Not Melendez, is it? Melendez, yeah, yeah. Wasn't like once, he? Uh, once, once he got called up, he was good to go. He was good to go, right? But he was. Uh, was he a D eight? Was he UT? UT? No, was he was he was catcher, but then he started playing out. Feel he started playing all over the place. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he had to wait on him for a while. I could see a similar kind of season for Alvarez, where he might. That makes sense. Hard to draft, but you want to be on that guy maybe two, three weeks before you think there's going to be a call up. And then it's the fun of the NFC rules. If no one drafts him, you have to just wait till he's called up. So or, yeah, that's that's, that's where it gets dicey right there. So which one? Do you, and then if you pick him up and then drop him, now he's available until he gets called up in the player pool. So those are the kind of fun little intricacies of the NFC format. Yeah, right there. true. Yep. Um, one of the last guys I think I'm going to ask you about here on the Mets is a 34-year-old outfielder who, even when it seemed like it wasn't a great year, had 16 homers. 18 stolen bases, 76 run scores, and hit 292. Mm. And that's Starling Marte. And it feels like with all the moves they're making, he's getting buried because he's like hitting six now, potentially, in that lineup. Yeah. And he still looks like he's going to be quasi-productive. And before I give you the floor, his ADP for once, it's um, – that's that's Noel de Marte. It's uh, 86. He used to be like a top two-round player. Now you're, you're still paying kind of a premium, but not. So what are you looking at with a guy like Starling Marte? Yeah, I mean it's just health with him, right? It's he's always missing games. It's tough. I mean, when he's out there playing, I mean he's you know he's probably a top three round player. Although he, he definitely didn't run nearly as much last year at all. Uh, he had that huge year two years ago. Um, but I even remember watching a lot of games. I'm like he just didn't choose to run. So 
Uh, I think the injuries played a factor there, but yeah, I mean, he's just, you know, he's one of these guys, he's, he's a five category guy when he's out there. Um, so to me, yeah, I mean, if the price is, what's he going at now? I don't even hear. 86, 86. I mean, to me, that's, I mean, that's, that's palatable right there. I think, uh, you know, I could see him producing, I'm producing for sure. You know, if you get, um, you know, even a hundred and, 40 games, 130 games on him. I mean, that, you'll probably find value there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't mind that price. He seems like an older, better batting average version of Randy Rosarena to me. That's kind of where we're going. Like, I think right. Randy, has, Randy has a little more power and speed. Like, he might be more 2020. We're not sure Starling gets there. But Starling hit for average. I got pretty, I feel good about that compared to Randy. And you're going to get him two to three rounds later. So, I don't think it's a bad fallback plan. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, if he's out there playing, he's you know he's yeah, easily a top thirty fantasy outfielder. In my and let me eyes. let me clarify: he had the sixteen homers, eighteen steals in only one hundred and eighteen games. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so like you said, if he's playing, he goes back to his like one thirty to one forty even. Yeah, plus per game basis. We're back to twenty twenty probably. Yeah, yeah, it's all health. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of like the Grom thing for batters. If you told me, you know, you get one hundred and forty games out of Starling Marte, I mean, take I feel comfortable taking him round three, easy. Uh, Most definitely. I got unless do you have anything else on the Mets? Otherwise, I'm not gonna bug you anymore. On uh, uh it's I a fun we, team, man. You gotta be happy. As a fan, probably a lifelong fan, you gotta be loving this. <laughs> yeah, I am. I mean, it's just I was happy to see Diaz back. I mean, the whole Tommy Trumpus. I mean, it, it was just yeah, crazy. Like a whole oh it's amazing. It's, like it's I amazing. even would tweet about it as just a baseball fan. That was amazing. It's electric. Yeah, it was like oh, the coolest thing. Crowd goes wild. It's just yeah. Yeah, I'm like he had to stay after that it was like created. It's like a whole new. Uh, it's like a show when he comes out, you know. Oh, yeah. So it's I was happy to see him. I mean, it, he's be hard to think he could even come close to that. I mean, he was. I mean, that was one of the best reliever years you'll ever see. Uh, if he's even eighty percent of what he did last year, I, I would sign for that right now. But um, yeah, this team is stacked. Let's be honest. I mean, it's a huge. They're going to be in the, the, the NL East is stacked too. So yeah, big time. You know, people think Mets are running away. With, I mean, no, the Phillies, the Braves, no, you know. Yeah, the Phillies just went to the World Series, folks. Just don't forget yeah, that. They're yeah. right there. I mean, they won 87 games, but whatever. <laughs> the Braves won it two years ago. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the Marlins are always a pain in the ass. Like, they're they're, they're just enough pitching-wise to make it difficult. Yeah. Like, we're definitely so, not coasting to the play. I mean, no. I'd be shocked if we didn't make the playoffs, but – the division is going to be a little harder than people think. I think exactly. You guys are the front runners, but it is not an easy, easy yeah. road. That is, that's not like the Astros' path to victory type situation. The, different divisions. The Braves. The, the Braves are to me just as good. Yeah, Braves I mean, are really lineup good. is stacked. Yep. You know, their pitching is you know the back end too is is not as good, I guess. But yeah, that lineup is is pretty very, uh, very good, pretty potent. Yeah. Now the Nationals is your only team you don't have to worry about. You're good there. Nah, yeah. uh, but you got three other teams. Um, and real quick, just for fun, Edwin Diaz or Emmanuel Classe? That's the question right now in fantasy worlds. It's like one A, one B. But yeah, which, which one would you take? I mean, I got all go bias Diaz. aside. Uh, <laughs> I still go Diaz. Just I've been, uh, I've been going Diaz as well. I mean, yeah, he's just. I know we've seen two of these seasons out of him now too. I mean, he has that all worlds by far number one reliever season. So, I mean, you can't go wrong with either guy, but yeah, yeah I'm going Diaz if I had to choose. That's where I've been too. Uh, I got two questions from Nick Bird here. Um, you didn't play any Gladiator, did you? 
I have not. I have actually been listening to a couple of uh, pods Waxman did on that, and uh, I think you just did one too. Uh, with done, uh, yeah, I just, I just did one the other night with, with Gialdi. Yeah, listen to that. Yeah, now it looks interesting. It's wild. Um, he was his question was thoughts on Gladiator strategy of punting saves and stacking your offense when everyone is grabbing closers. Uh, since you haven't done any gla- drafts, people grab closers really, obviously, because you can't work the wire, and that right. literally it, this is what you got. So that, don't look at that ADP when you're doing research. Um, so, so that's just essentially wrote out. You can't, there's no, there's no waiver wire. It's 23 man roster. You fill your roster, every position and you walk away. Gladiator survival of the fittest basically. Okay. And, and it's a five by five roto. I was going to say, it's kind of like best ball, but it's roto style. Okay. Yeah. And there's no bench like where best ball, you can like you have three second basins and pick the best. This is all you got. It's wild. I mean, just hearing, I mean, to me, health, right. Is It's is, all it is. It's health. If you're like one of the healthier teams, you're just you're going to compete by default. You should, there, right? you should, uh, barring freakish stuff. Yes. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, I might look into that. I know they had. Is there more than one? Is there? There's a one that filled. The first one's full. They say they're not doing another one, but I keep poking Derek, so we'll see. I said okay. you named it Gladiator One, which means they're kidding <laughs> Gladiator Two. So like, don't tell right. me this. I think they want to see some DCs filled up because not many people were doing DCs while this was going on. Yeah, and, and that's where it's more of the money is made so and i've been so wrapped up in in football man so that's why i see it's hard for me to i usually don't like commit fully to baseball until after football is done so uh yeah this is even earlier start than i'm used to but yeah i'm looking forward to it um his other question for you was long term who do you prefer jazz chisholm or anthony volpe of the yankees oh for fantasy wise or just in baseball wise? Fantasy wise. I mean, I'm a big jazz fan too. And that big was a uh, jazzy fan. Yep. Yeah. I loved him last year also. And I mean, that's similar to Cruz, you know. You know, talk about a ceiling guy. player, 30 30. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And, and a lot of people feared that batting average, that, that risk there. And those are the guys I love targeting. And because um, they get you 240, 250. I mean, you get that in round six or seven with that stolen base upside, the power upside. Yep. I mean, that's where you win these tourneys, I think, too. So uh, I love Jazz. Yeah, just got to stay healthy, too. Another guy that, you know, yeah, he puts it all out there. You know, you wonder yeah. if he can get 150 game season in. So we'll see. Oh, yeah, if he ever did that, we might see 40 40. Like, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm super high on him and people think I'm crazy, but I know you see what I see in this. I was all in last year. Trust me. I ate it hard on a couple. Situations. Oh, and he would have, he would have got there too. Well, he mean, was pacing like that. It was glorious early yeah. on. Yeah. And he's a fun guy to watch too. That's I, the other yeah. part. That's like the little, like, lame joke I always make is in the end, fantasy should be fun. So have fun. And, if you got jazz on your team, how much fun is that? Watching oh, that? Yeah. Like, come on. And I love so, he's cocky too. Maybe yeah. that's why I just love he backs uh, it up. He backs yeah, it up. He's got the energy, the bat flips. I mean, I'm all for like, that. So like yeah. last year when Donnie baseball was like, I'm not starting him because of this. And he basically like went pu- public with it on Twitter. It was like, yeah. next, next thing you know, jazz is starting every day hitting bombs. And next Donnie got real quiet real quick. And did they begin last year? He's batting out of a nine hole for a while. Versus right? lefties, he was either sitting or batting ninth. I mean, and then he, it was like, come on, Donnie. Like, yeah. come on. So, yeah. Yeah. Some guys try to overthink it a little too much. But on the bulky point, I mean, like, you know, I think that's a lot of reason why they didn't go after Correa. So they, they have yeah. high hopes for him. So um, I don't know if it's coming this year, maybe at some point. But I think next year, I mean, that's, that's, they're pumping him up here in New York like crazy. Like he's the next Jeter almost. So, Yep. We'll see how that goes. I think he's a Jersey kid too, a New York yep. City kid. I believe so, so, yeah. He's a local kid. So, 
yeah, he'll be a fun name to watch moving forward. 100%. What's always fun is chatting with you, my friend. Uh, we're going to wrap it up there, but uh, it's awesome. Looking forward to doing this again with you and uh, seeing you in Vegas. But uh, any any final thoughts? You want a, a swan song for 2022? The floor is yours. 2023, whatever you want. The floor is yours, my friend. Nah, I appreciate you having me on, Bubba. As always, you know, you're one of the guys I listen to all the time. So, uh, yeah, and I'm just looking to go out there again and, and kind of prove all the doubters wrong again. And they're going to be like, oh, 40 years in a row. Fluke, 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 fluke. You know, it's uh, – it is what it is, man. I have fun doing this. I have fun talking to you guys. And uh, definitely, uh, as we get closer to, to draft uh, draft season, we'll definitely uh, do another pod if you want. Yep, for sure, man. I always love chatting with you, so we'll do it for sure. Maybe I'll draft with you, and then you can kick my butt, and then we'll talk about it again. <laughs> and you're going, you're going to be, you're being Vegas, right? That's the plan, and I'm debating bringing some podcasting stuff with me to Vegas so we get right, some real cool. fun there. Yeah. So, no, yeah. I've done the football one a couple times, so I'm excited. It's my first time for baseball out there, so – It'll be cool to put the the faces with all the names on Twitter and whatnot. I'm sure some people will be happy to see me. Others might not be, but, you know, I'll come with smiles, man. Whether you like me or or you hate me, I'll be smiling either way. You'd be surprised in person. Things are a little different, as you know. So uh, (laughs) get away from the keyboard. Everything's fine. But it'll be fun. It'll It'll be be fun. fun. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you out there. And we will definitely pot again before the season starts. No question about it. Everybody, make sure you follow them on Twitter at the underscore guilds, G-I-L-D-Z. Thanks for joining me, my friend. Thank you, Bubba. Appreciate it. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 530 with the guilds. Catch you guys later.